and gentlemen, Brandy J's podcast, a voice to be reckoned with, would like to thank you for making the right choice in choosing a podcast that moves a nation. And now, here she is in five, four, three, two, one. Hey there, everybody. Thank you for tuning in with me. And if you're here, you are listening to Brandy J. Singleton, a voice to be reckoned with. Guys, today we have David Hamlin. Yes, everybody. David Hamlin is a prop maker, motion picture industry. David Hamlin is a regular man. What you see, so what you get. Musician, guitar, and bass, writes music, photography. But was also very, very special and neat about Mr. Hamlin <laughs> is that he was on the cast of Jaws. Yes, the classic Jaws when he was a young boy. David has a very long history, you know, when it comes to Jaws and, uh, that's where we started off at. I can honestly say that's where we started off. But uh, as me and David got to talking, I saw real fast that I had a very, very interesting guy on my show with all kinds of things to talk about. And all I can say was <laughs> I had a good time. But really, though, guys, I mean, Hands down, this is what it's about, right? Being able to share thoughts, opinions, just sharing with one another and just getting to know one another. And I can say that I'm very, very happy to have David on the show and to have you guys here. What a cool, crazy <laughs> funny guy he is so uh welcome david hamblin hey everybody welcome back to my show this is brandy J with a voice to be reckoned with and today i have an amazing guest with me and very honored to have him here with me because we all know that i'm a jaws fan more than that I'm a people's fan, and if you like me, I like you, <laughs> and today my guest is David Hamblin. Are you there, David? Yep, I'm here. Hey, what's up? Oh, you know, <laughs> <laughs> another Sunday in quarantine, day, day 10,058. <laughs> right? <laughs> Man, I tell you, that's this is something else, but uh, hey, we're, we're live to see another day, right? When we did, we managed. <laughs> so, well, well, I'm halfway, 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 you know. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm so happy to be able to talk with you, David. And I want people to, I would love if you share with my amazing listeners a little bit about, or a lot about, <laughs> who you are and um, why you're so special to me. <laughs> Don't mind me, I'm so silly. <laughs> I don't know, it's fine. Um, Really, really, 
uh, not anything special, just a regular individual. Um, my dad, <laughs> on the other hand, my dad um, was the guy that got the paint to stick to the sharks in Jaws. Um, not the first choice, but it made him a legend. Um, the old man, the old man was unbelievable. Ward Welton, that was his name. He was unbelievable. He did movies for over 50 years. He did his last feature in, Jesus, I think two, 2000. He was um, seven, I think 70 in 2000. No, I, I can't remember if he was a little older or a little younger, but then he died two years later in 2002. He passed. Um, only really got to enjoy two years of retirement. But he did a gazillion features. He did all four of the Jaws features. Wow. Um, 1941, Close Encounters in between them. <laughs> um, and then I was just, he met my mom on Jaws. My mom had been divorced for about, I think my folks had been divorced about six or eight months by then. Um, and I was, I was just a kid, um, actor. I did background. I was in four scenes. Um, one that was used in the feature, of course, the sign scene at Gay Head. And, um, then one that they added later, the parade scene that had been edited out. And then two that I've never seen since we did them. Wow. The fence scene where they had us karate chop up all those fences, and uh, the other one was on bicycles, and was they had moved the rebuilt Quint shed shack down in Edgartown for some scene, and we did some stuff there, and that was it, and they never used it. So, um, and that was it. You know, uh, Mom started dating Ward. And he was like, oh, you know, have your kid come down to the boat shed and I'll show him the sharks. And this was pretty much, um, no one had seen the sharks at this point. Pretty much nobody except the people that were working on it. And they had, you know, security there to keep people out and all of that. So I went down there to, to visit him and stuff. And I met some of the guys that worked on it, um, and they gave me a bunch of the teeth for the sharks, you know, the, uh, the hard resin ones, um, the rubber, rubber ones for the bite down sharks. And of course, you know, over the years, when I was, I was a kid, never, never, never mind over the years, in the first few months, I lost all of them. Oh, wow. <laughs> lost all of them. I mean, you know, and then that's it. now they'd be worth, they'd be worth money, you know, but if they're gone, you know, um, I, I do still have a couple of the, um, I have a sweatshirt that has the original logo and it's from, you know, when I was a little kid. That's um, cool. And that's it, you know, I mean, when they, it was kind of funny though, because the first thing they, the first one that I did was was the, that background thing where we karate chopped the fences and I thought we were going to get in trouble <laughs> you know 
know, I, I swear to God, I'm not kidding. It's like, is this a joke? You know, is my mom behind the wall or something? <laughs> going to break this fence and then get my ass beat? What, you know? <laughs> so it took a little coaxing for us to do it, but we did it, you know. Um, and that, that was about it. It was, you know, nobody, nobody, when they came to the, the vineyard, nobody liked them. They were from out of town. They were in the way. They were a pain in the ass. <laughs> for, for real. Um, and Ward, you know, I didn't really particularly like the old man at that point because he was replacing my dad and I already had a dad. So, you know, and, and that was that was that you know it was they started I think they were trying to do it real early and get out of there before the summer hit you know what I mean yeah and nothing worked right nothing went right you know yeah that's what I heard it was way harder than what it looked <laughs> oh yeah well you know it's like any anything that we do whether it's TV or features if you're outside in the weather you know you're at the mercy of mother nature basically so if she's smiling on you, you can get out in and out reasonably quickly. If she's not, <laughs> pain in the ass. And it was, I mean, you know, it was, it was, it was cold. Um, when we did that scene up at the, the sign up in Gay Head, it was, um, Jesus, like this time of year, I think. It was cold and when we went up there, we had to go down in Edgartown. They picked us, they had a bus there, and we all got in the bus, and they drove us up there to the location up in Gay Head, where they put the sign up and all that. Um, and they had the catering trucks there and all the, tra the, the trailer trucks with the film equipment and all that crap. The honey wagons, which are the, you know, the, the basically the shitters. <laughs> um, and all of that, you know, and, and then we started doing our thing. And it took, this is, you know, just one scene, just one scene, no more than that. And I'm telling you, man, it took like all, it took all day, all day. And it was, you know, we got there. It's really funny. If you watch that scene, you'll see me in the background down the hill. And we, I don't know how many times we walked up that hill. It was a lot. Um, <laughs> I'm the only kid wearing, I'm basically the only person there wearing short sleeves. It's supposed to be July. It was, and it was freezing. The fog, then about 2.30 and 3 o'clock in the afternoon, the fog started rolling in. So they had to wrap. It's done. It's over. So they made it work with whatever they had. It was pretty trippy. We played running bases with uh, Spielberg and uh, Scheider at lunchtime. And that was that. Wow. That's, yeah, it's crazy, like, you know, when we see it from, um, you know, from the fan or the moviegoer, probably we don't really get, you know what I mean, what, what all takes place and what you go through to get, you just look at it and it's like, oh, wow, you know what I mean? Because however it worked, you know, it was done on screen, I mean, it freaking was amazing. You know, you couldn't, you would never be able to tell that any of those things took place or what you had to go through or what, what hell it was with the shark or whatever it may be. You know, all you see is that, oh my God, it's pretty awesome, you know? And then to, to hear, you know, the tr you know what I mean? What really lies behind it and the, the hard work and the freezing. I know the top of the list was 
that was scarier than the sharks was the cold water. <laughs> you know, it, it, it just makes it, you know, even more like, I guess, uh, more, res- you know, respected. You know what I mean? You can, you can really respect the craft, you know, what you, what's behind it, you know? Uh, well, most people have no clue what goes on. You know, I mean, you know, like you talked to Jeff Voorhees the other day, and I went to school with Jeff and all that, known Jeff since he moved to the island in fifth grade. Um, we grew up together and all that. And, you know, I know that when he, I was so happy when he got that role of being the kid that gets eaten on the raft because I didn't want to be in that bottom. <laughs> <laughs> the water. <laughs> it was freezing. Yeah, that's what he said. He was like, "Oh my goodness, you <laughs> have no idea." <laughs> it was early May, man. You got to be out of your mind to be the, the North Atlantic. Oh. You know, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, this is this is it's fucking cold. That's all you need. To know. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Like nothing, something you'll never be able to explain, huh? You just gotta just, just imagine like it's cold. <laughs> I did a lot of the standby paint for, for Bruce, you know, the shark. And he was telling me that when they were setting up down there to do the beach scene, there's a barge with one of the cameras on it, and they're they're out in pretty deep water, you know. And the, the dude's getting the camera ready and he drops one of the lenses in the water, in the ocean. So my old man's like, okay, I'll get it. And he, my old man strips down naked and jumps <laughs> in the water. And, you know, if you knew my dad, you'd go, okay. But, you know, still it's like freezing cold, man. Ward, Ward, was, Ward did some pretty crazy shit. But he was, the old man was, you know, the old man. Um, but it was, it was, you know, when, when you're a kid and they take you, you know, they, you, you go down to the boat shed and they're taking you in, you get to see these sharks, man. They were huge. They were so cool. And they got them all on these racks so they can pull one out and use it and all of this it was unbelievable. So it makes you know, that vaccine, uh, we're going to need a bigger boat. That was, uh, really true, huh? <laughs> yeah, oh yeah. You know, and, and that was ad lib. That wasn't in the script. Oh, really? Yeah, he had lip that. Get out of town. I never knew that. I was like one of my, obviously my favorite, you know, mean sayings of, in the movie, we're going to need a bigger boat. And yeah, I just now found out. That was ad lip. That was pretty, that was really, you know, pretty, pretty. The thing, the thing was, they were, they were, they were huge. They were, they were huge. You know, now, and the thing that's really funny is I moved out here in 19, 19- from the vineyard I went back we moved out here to LA in 74 my ward and my mom got married and that's all history and I went home we were doing uh, he was doing Close Encounters in 76 and he he sent me and my older sister home to visit my dad and I already knew when I got on that plane I wasn't going back to LA I hated it out here. Um, I still do, you know, but I mean, at my job, I work in the, the movie and television industry. So, you know, I mean, got a, it's my career anyway. 
So I went, I went home, and the, that course, you know, Jaws, even when I left in 1990, it wasn't a big deal. Sure, you could go to, like, the, the souvenir shops in the summertime with the, for the tourists and shit, and you'd see stuff that they're selling, refrigerator magnets, whatever. Um, but it wasn't a big deal. I could, to this day, I couldn't tell you where half of those locations were. I didn't care. You know, and now they got tours on the, you go to Martha's Vineyard now and they got tours. They'll take you to all the locations, you know, and yada, yada, tell you all about it, whatever. Um, you know, I, the bridge, that bridge that they, they run down or, and get the kid, you know, the guy gets eaten. Yeah. I've jumped off of that bridge a gazillion times in my lifetime. You know, now it's like, oh, everybody, oh, I gotta go jump off of that bridge. Yeah, okay, whatever. That's <laughs> all <laughs> <No>, I mean. <laughs> and it was, you know, and then in 83, they came back, and my dad stayed at the Kelly house, and I saw, I saw, visit him a bunch of times. Um, they were only there, they weren't there that long, just do some, you know, do a few scenes, and then they headed out to, I believe, Hawaii. I can't remember if it was Florida first or Hawaii or what, anyway. Not, not that big a deal. Because um, yeah, it was one of the jobs, was it part two, where they, uh, um, where they filmed, like, some of it was at uh, one of the Sea Worlds, some of the scenes? I think that was the third one. Okay. I think that was the third one. They were down in uh, Sea World in Florida. Okay. Um, but the second one the second one um, Scheider didn't even come I don't believe Roy Scheider ever stepped foot on the island when they were when they did the the opening scenes for that Jaws 2 um that that scene where they show him the opening scene where they show the police car flying down the road and then he gets on the Chappie Ferry, and they go over to the other side, and he gets off of the boat and flies down. My dad was actually driving them, the thing in that scene, because he looked so much like Scheider. <laughs> you know, and you really never see him anyway. But that's just a little movie trivia. Um, and, and, you know, there wasn't... I don't know. I, I mean, you know, I do it now and it's still, I've, I've got my dad's attitude towards it all. You know, people, oh, what are you working on now? Another piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> That's how Ward looked at all of them. You know, Ward, Ward was just about, you know, the, the money more or less, you know, making sure that my mom was good and the family was good, the house was good, all that. He was just making sure they had money. I mean, he didn't really... Of course, he always did a great job, whatever, him and his guys. Um, you know, Ed Zingelwitz, um, in the book, you can, there's actually a good picture of um, their touch of their, that tiger shark hanging on the dock in Jaws 1. Yeah. There's a good... Of um, them getting it ready for another shot and killer. That's what Nick, that's what they called him, Ed Zinglewitz. He's touching up the tiger shark. And I knew, you know, I knew a bunch of those guys that my dad worked with. Now, Christ, they're all, you know, most of them are all dead now. Um, Zinglewitz is gone. My dad's gone. Richard Pook is gone. A ton of them. 
and then there's still guys that are around, you know, <clears throat> and those, those guys, you know, <clears throat> there's a big, like me, I'm a carpenter, da-da-da-da-da, built, we build all this stupid shit, but there are guys that I work with that are carpenters or painters or whatever, and there's just, there's nobody that's like that. These guys are so incredible. Wow. You know, like, like right off the top of my head, Steve Fagley was one, he's an incredible Finnish guy. Um, Jimmy Betts is another, Whiskey Jim, that's what I call him. He's another incredible Finnish guy. I mean, but these guys have talent that's just, you know, unbelievable. I'm just a regular carpenter. These guys are like a whole step above me. Voting isn't just going to the polls on election day anymore. Options like early voting, mail-in voting, and ballot drop boxes are available to more voters and are growing in popularity. How to Vote, a tool created by Democracy Works, breaks down the options your state offers for casting a ballot, empowering you to decide when and where to vote. Democracy works best when we all vote, but misinformation and confusion about election procedures have resulted in low voter turnout. How to Vote, a tool created by Democracy Works, takes the guesswork out of the voting process. How to Vote is easy to use and helps folks from all over the country overcome many of the process barriers to voting. Democracy Works is committed to helping you vote no matter what. Their tool, How to Vote, does just that. And these are some examples. You can sign up for election reminders, see what's on your ballot, get step-by-step assistance requesting your ballot, Explore your options for returning your voted mail ballot. Check your voter registration status. Find your polling site and make sure you have the appropriate ID. Listen up. Decide when and where you'll vote this year at howto.vote. Yes, decide when and where you'll vote this year at howto.vote. Dot vote, please. Go check this out now. You go back to, you know, when Clint Eastwood was doing the Dirty Harry's and stuff like that. He was he was worth that money. Um. Morgan Freeman, anything he does, he's worth the money. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Morgan Freeman, yeah, I think. <laughs> and, you know, and then, and then there's, like, Kat, Kathy Bates. Oh, man, hands down, she's an amazing, amazing actress, yeah. She's unbelievable, <laughs> and she takes the time, if she's playing an English role, she yeah. takes the time to learn that accent. She owns that shit. You actually, like, believe it. You're sold on it. Yeah. <laughs> From misery to just every, like, role she played. It's just, it's, she's different. You know how you can see that person, and that person is never the same. You right. know? Right. And she, she did that, um, she did Misery, but before she did Misery, she did Dolores Claiborne. Yeah, oh my goodness. 
he played that lady up in Maine. Give me chills. <laughs> it was un. See, she even did the accent, and she didn't overdo it. And I mean, you know, being from back there, I still have a lot of that East Coast accent. And so, you know, when when they they, they do a couple of commercials now with these three actors, and they all overdo the Boston accent. <laughs> like, come on, man! Just get me. Let me do it. I'll show you how to do it. You know these people. All the car. No, it's car. It's not. <laughs> you don't overemphasize it. It's just that's how we say our R's. Like my boss's name is. If you looked at it the way it's spelled, it's Peters. You know, in California, they they pronounce those R's. Peters. <laughs> Peters. Yeah, I've always liked a Boston accent. <laughs> I love to listen to it. Oh, <laughs> and she's one. You know, and, and I met I met Julia Roberts one time, and I never, you know, first off, she's okay. She's okay. She's not. To me, you know, in my opinion, she's not like. Incredible, and then you meet her in real life, and, and she she's one of those people that really believes that she's worth all that money. <laughs> and she's you know not a not a very nice person. Wow. Um, and, and that's that. I met Jack Nicholson one time, and you know he signed a baseball for me. Both of them signed baseballs for me. Um, but he was. Uh, Jack Nicholson doesn't. I don't. To me, I don't think he's acting. He's just playing himself. <laughs> you know That's what I mean? Pretty cool. <laughs> but he's. But he. Okay. I. I would. That's not the first word I would use. But <laughs> he didn't go with that. You know? Um. But the, you know, I met. I got to meet Carol O'Connor. He signed a baseball for me. Now that that guy was just. A class, just a class guy, you know, not not stuck on himself at all. And you're talking, I mean, to me, Car- Carol O'Connor, Archie Bunker, whatever. He was, he's a legend to me. When I was a little kid, and they're asking you in school what you want to be when you grow up, you might say, oh, "I want to be a nurse." This kid, oh, I want to be a ball player. Me. I wanted to be either Archie Bunker or Bugs Bunny, <laughs> and I am. I I am. I'm just like that. I'm just as sarcastic, and you know, I say all kinds of stupid shit, just like they would. Only I don't make money, <laughs> you know. And 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 I met um when I met Julia Roberts like two days before two days before two days after I met Julia Roberts. I got to meet Catherine Zeta Jones. And they were at Sony at the time, working on a feature called America's Sweethearts. Now, just reverse the roles. I mean, it's about this lady that's an actress that's you know real high on herself, and she's a real bitch. And Julia Roberts plays the her assistant, and she's always mean to her. Catherine Zeta-Jones always mean to her. Just reverse the parts, <laughs> because Catherine Zeta-Jones is a sweetheart. She's unbelievably nice, humble, beautiful, 
and just nice and kind and all that. And Julia Roberts, on the other hand, when I met her anyway, maybe I saw her on a bad day, but <laughs> you know, whatever. Um, and you know, in, in, in Harrison Ford, Harrison Ford's just a cool guy. He's just a cool guy. I bet, I bet. He was my very first movie I ever owned. I don't know why my mom bought it. I was a kid. I was I was like, I guess fairly, I forgot what year it was, but it was when The Fugitive came out. And on Christmas, and my mom was my very first VH, uh, on VH uh, tape. And I watched yeah. it, and I loved it. But I was... See, we're old enough to know what VHS are. <laughs> you young people, they were tapes, not these disc things. Yeah, yeah, people, they have no idea what the hell. To, what you go through with these tapes, you gotta rewind them, take them back to the. <laughs> I hated that shit. Gotta rewind all the tapes, take them back to the place, and if not, they charge you. <laughs> and it, you know, um, yeah, man. And he, and Harrison, Harrison is really cool. He's he is a, a cool guy. Um, who else? There's 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 a gazillion of them. When I I did, I worked on my dad didn't, but I worked on uh, Apollo thirteen. Oh wow! And uh, I, I, you know, ran into Tom Hanks there, and, and the, the day I ran into him there, he was an ass. <laughs> I was kind of wondering. Wow. He was, you know, it must have been a, because usually, usually he's. I can tell you a couple stories about him. He's um, when I like I said the one day I ran into him, he was you know, just not cool at all. <laughs> um, but but during that show, I got a baseball sign by. You know, Ron Howard, Gary Sinise, Tom Hanks, um, the dude that died, the, the guy from um, Bill Paxton, um, and the other guy was uh, Kevin Bacon, and the, the other guy that signed the baseball for me was actually one of the last astronauts to ever walk on the moon was Dave Scott, our technical advisor, and he was just a really super, super cool guy. Um, but then later I was working on, uh, later on I was over to Sony right when they were getting, they were doing, um, you know, that movie with Tom Hanks and he's talking to that soccer ball. Hmm. Not sure if, I'm not sure if I've seen that. on an island all by himself. You mean Castaway? There you have it. And, uh. They called me and I had to go into this building where they do, they either use it, at that time they were using it for wardrobe or meetings or whatever, and I had to go in and fix a bunch of the doors and stuff, and I knock on this door, oh yeah, come on in, so I go in and Tom Hanks and this other guy are discussing the script or whatever, and he was trying to talk to me, and I just blew him off because of how he was when I met him on Apollo 13. Um, but then, like a couple of weeks later, see at Sony they bring in, they charge like twenty five dollars a person to bring them into the studio, and they they walk you around and they tell you, oh well, this stage they film this, that, and the other, and over here on stage fifteen they film the Wizard of Oz and all this. Well, there's nothing to see anymore. It's all gone. So if you're lucky in their building, the doors are open and you can see some of the set they're building for whatever, you know. If not, the doors are closed and you don't get to see much anything. And he came out of his trailer. I was working down the, on the, 
you know, maybe 50, 50 yards, 30 yards from where his trailer was. And he comes out, and, and just as he comes out, there's a, there's got a group of, of, uh, of tourists, basically, going through the lot. And just as he comes out, there they are. And he took like 20, 25 minutes and just stood there and signed stuff for him and talked to him. And I'll tell you, that just changed my whole look at him, the whole way I thought about him, you know what I mean? Yeah. Because some of these people, they could be from, you know, East Jesus, Ohio or some shit, right? And he just made their whole life. You know, that's something they're never going to forget, which they got to hang, they got to shoot the shit with Tom Hanks, you yeah, know what I mean? totally. And that was, that was really cool. A lot of these people, man, they're like, even when you're working on the show with them, they're like, just... Like when I did, when we did um, Oceans 13 and stuff, man, it's like these, these people are like, like Brad Pitt on Oceans 13, right? He's walking through. We, I built that. I was one of the guys to help build that huge casino that you saw for about 10 seconds at the <laughs> beginning of the movie. They walked through and they're casing the place, you know? Well, he walks, he would walk through there every day to see what we were doing and shit. Never, never said boo to anybody. Never talked to anybody. Wow. And he's got really short, bl dirty blonde hair, you know, and, and he's walking. I'm working in the doorway, so he's got to walk past me every day. I'm, I'm in there, I got a ponytail, a beard working, you know, that's how, how I look. I've had long hair most for most all my life. Um, anyway, so the be I'm watching the movie. The beginning of the movie, when he goes through and he's casing the place, he's got a, his hair back in a ponytail and a beard. And I'm like, oh, that's original. <laughs> you know, because there's no way he grew long hair in that time span. There's no <laughs> You know, but I mean, just that this was a three-story casino. Three stories we built in there, right? God only knows how much money that cost. Everything worked. They're bringing in, like, the, the, the machines, you know, the uh, slot machines, all this. They, everything worked. It was so cool. And I don't even, can't even tell you what it must have cost. And... You see 10 seconds of it, and that's it, and it's over. Goodness, wow. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, it, it, it's, it's, uh, sometimes it's pretty phenomenal, the, the money that's, it's like, for us, it's like, you just pissed away, you know, a hundred thousand dollars, you know what I mean? Wow, and they say we're, we're short, and you know what I mean, there's so many things in this world, it's like... <laughs> Well, it's really weird because like Jaws, right? Like Jaws, they had a guy on Jaws. He, uh, he cut out a silk screen and that's all this guy did was make t-shirts for everybody all day. Right? And then you work on the, and that was a gazillion years ago. Now, now, oh, they don't, they won't, they don't give you nothing now. Wow. You know, if you're lucky, like, um, after Ocean, after Ocean's 13, right, I was talking to my buddy Kitty. Kitty worked on it with me. Um, and we're talking, and Kitty said, yeah, dude, 
you get one of those bags, Ocean's 13 is really cool. I'm like, no. And Kitty was gone before I was. <laughs> it's like, you know, it's, I swear to God, it's so weird, man. All these, all of you, you work, then you're working on the next show, right? I've worked on this other TV show. And I was one on, I was on the, the crew with that show till that show got canceled. You know? And one day I'm working on this other show, um, last year on, uh, or the, yeah, last year, uh, we wrapped in April, the end of April last year on The Kids Are Alright. And one of the guys on the, on the, uh, uh, what do they call it? The production unit. Got a baseball hat for that show I worked on. The, the carpenters, the painters, we never got no fucking hat. Yeah. I swear to God, man, it's like, oh, you're with production? Oh, production? Oh, you walk on stage when production's in there, you're going to see more people that do nothing. <laughs> I'm not kidding. That do nothing. And they're making a ton of money. Yeah. And, you know, you ask them, what do you do? I'm with production. Okay, well, what do you do? You know, it's, it's, it's unbelievable, man. It really is. It's so funny. Cause like we're building walls when we, they start building these sets and they're setting up, the, you know, when we're putting them, we build the walls, then we're placing them where they want them and stuff before we start putting in the baseboard and the doors and the windows and all that. And these guys will come in and they just look at the ceiling. <laughs> They'll stand right in the middle of the road and there's like six or eight of them. Right in the middle of the road where you gotta carry shit. Looking at the ceiling, because they gotta figure out where they're gonna put their lights, you know? Well, you really don't need to be here, dude, until all the walls are up. Then you should be able to figure it out. Oh no, then they gotta come in and, okay, they, we got the tape on the floor where the set's gonna go, so they come in and they start hanging the green beds up over our heads. Excuse me. And, you know, they're all on about safety and all this shit. You know, they make us go to these classes for safety. And they're dropping cables down and they're putting up these green beds while we're walking around underneath it trying to set these walls and stuff up. It's amazing that not more people get killed doing this shit. Wow. And it's, you know, and like, when we started building, the kids are all right. We were in those warehouses over there. On, off of coal, off of, uh, oh, what's the fucking name of that street? I can't, this doesn't matter. It'll come to me. <laughs> so, oh, it'll come to me. So basically, uh, the wrong people are making all the good money. <laughs> oh, 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 oh. Yeah. <laughs> the, the people, and then that's the thing too, man. It's so funny because, you know, you, you talk to, actors and stuff oh we you know you see the interviews with them on tv oh we work so hard <laughs> we were working 16 hours and you've never been on set 16 hours in your life <laughs> you know spare me i know what working 23 hours a day is i've done it working on movies um I can't, in the army now, that was the longest day I ever worked, 23 straight hours. Wow. And I had to be back in six hours to go to work again. And so, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
the way of the world, right? It's uh, usually the, the ones that they really do all the work, the hard work. They go on unnoticed, <laughs> or, or you know, not very. Yeah, you know, they don't shine a light where you know. Oh well, you better believe. You know, like I, like I was getting ready to say, we were on those stages down there, where building the set where the kids are all right, and it was like 100, 110 degrees every day, and we had no air conditioning. Not only that, there were no, there was nothing to drink, no water, nothing. Wow. So we were no water. <laughs> he was giving money, me, the foreman, and the, the labor foreman. We were giving money to one of uh, the, the labor foreman's guys to go to. Uh, we were working right close to a Costco. And he would go to Costco and get it, you know, every day and get like three, three or four cases of Gatorade and water. And, you know, then they would go and get a couple of bags of ice. So these guys, we, we had something to drink. There's no air conditioning. They would, but the minute, the minute that lighting would come in and they were all, they were coming in, you know, like about three weeks in, we're standing walls and stuff. And they're coming in to start looking at, they come in for three hours. The, the, the minute these guys came in at nine in the morning, they turn on the air conditioning for them. Wow. Right, then they leave at noon and they're gone for the day. They're still getting paid for 12 hours. We work, we will only get paid what we work. We don't have any guarantee, you know what I'm saying? The minute they would walk out the door at lunchtime, okay, we're done, we'll be back tomorrow. They shut the air off. We're still working till six. That's, no, that's messed up. <laughs> you know, and you better believe, like when we did Oceans 13, they cut into one of the one of the sound stages at um, Warner Brothers. They cut in two huge holes. You could have driven a trailer truck through both of the holes and put in these giant air conditioners so that you know the actors and the production unit would be nice and comfortable. So yeah, it's, it's uh, you know, and people, people that I know, you know, that I grew up friends of mine, whatever. Oh, Hambone, you work in the movie industry, it must be so cool. And it is to a point, it is to a point, but it's just a job. The only thing cool about it is that we get paid decent and we have medical. For the, for the most part, I mean, it's so funny because, you know, you have to go to human resources things and safety things and it's just to cover the producers yeah it ain't it, they don't not really about you huh <laughs> oh no, no, not at all man you get hurt you get hurt like i tore my achilles off on a show my boss came by the house once to see me and that was it wow you know oh yeah and then at the end the, the end of that show He's giving out hats. I had to. I had to go and see his old lady after the show was on on the next show, months down the road. And I'm like, "What the fuck is that about?" You know, I tore my. I got torn up on that show, and you don't even have a hat for me. With you gave them to all the rest of the guys. I started. I was one of the first four guys on that show. You know? Are you kidding me? I was one of Doug's regulars. No, they don't. Out of sight, out of mind. And that, that's, I yeah. think, what really bothered my dad when he retired was all the guys that, you know, it's 50 years, all his friends work in this business. And all of a sudden, you know, my dad's not hiring him anymore. He's gone. No one's calling him. 
So I would come home from work, and my dad had to be, either he would call me or I would call him. He had to know what was going on. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty sucks. It just seems just to be the way of the, you know what I mean, like uh, the world in general, isn't it? Huh? Well, you know, for for us, I think the the, the, the thing about what we do is it's you're, you're doing it for the guys you're around. I mean, you know, some like my buddy Jeff Valdez, you know, Jeff, uh, Flo, uh, Peters. Cletus, and these are all nicknames I've given these guys because I'm I'm old. I can't remember people's names, you know. So like Dylan, Dylan, I, I, I know his name now, but when I met him, I couldn't. I wouldn't be able to remember. He's a young kid. I just called him Cletus so I could remember who the fuck he was. <laughs> you know, you need hey hey hey. hey. <laughs> You're know, trying to remember somebody's name. It's you know pretty. Pretty funny stuff, and and then when I met Jeff Valdez, he's great, man. I would I would follow Jeff to, to hell and back. He's he's the best. <clears throat> he shows up. I didn't know who he was. I was working with Flo and uh, Flo and Cletus and a couple other guys, and all of a sudden Jeff shows up. Right, he does this beat up. I mean, this his pickup truck. Looks like it's been hit seven, eight times by seven, eight different cars. And you know, oh yeah, he, this guy, he's the greatest. And I'm thinking, you know, I'm thinking, Jesus, I, you know, I didn't even go over and enter. I just kept working. I didn't know who it was. So he left, and they're like, oh yeah, Bob, that's the guy you want to know. He's, he's better. And I'm, I'm thinking to myself, Jesus, I hope he's a better carpenter than he is a driver. <laughs> That most people would never, you know, know about unless somebody, you know, unless you get the opportunity to find out. But you don't really get to hear about, you know, what I mean the the truth really behind, you know, what I mean who who made it happen, who put in the the work, you know. I mean, you hurt yourself, you know what I mean. It's a dangerous job, but nobody really they don't really give any tribute to that, and that's you know. Oh no, no, God no, you know they they don't either, man. It's so funny. Because you know the majority, I think the majority of the time on a lot of these shows, like if it's a, a feature takes a year, the shooting doesn't take that long. You know, they they might be four or five months shooting, and then X amount of time editing and redoing some reshoots and stuff. But the majority of it's definitely the build. But they, nowadays they bring in. They'll bring in like a, a ton of guys, laborers, carpenters, painters, welders, whatever, and you have X amount of time to do this. And I mean, you know, it starts off, you know, eight hours a day. If you're lucky, if you're one of the first guys on the crew, you're making tables, and it's kind of relaxed, and you know, because no one really knows what they want to do yet. Yeah. So then, you know, a couple weeks later, they start bringing in some more guys, and you start building walls and shit. And then all of a sudden, you know, oh, we're already behind schedule. You guys are going to be working seven days a week, twelve hours a day. Ah, and it's you know, 
a lot of these guys like that shit. They do. They like it. They don't want to be home with their wives. They don't sit around their kids. They don't none of that. They just want to work. It's like, you know, I got a nine-year-old grandson. I got my old lady. I got my stepdaughter. And the, and the rest of the family. And it's, you know, it's all basically Latinos. Now my family's all dead, pretty much. And I love being around them. I was what I want to do. I mean, this, this shit, being home on quarantine, the only thing that bothers me is not making money. Yeah. Other than that, oh, I could do this. I, I love being home with my cats hanging yeah. out. I can see my <laughs> old lady, whatever, you know? But these, some of these guys, man, I don't even, you know, why did you get married? Exactly. You know, you do, you hear some of these guys, man, it's, it's fucking funny shit, kid, I'm telling you. Oh, well, you know, I got, I got my, and they're telling the boss, they're telling the boss, oh, I love working seven days a week, 12 hours, I have to. My house costs this, my mortgage is $7,000 a week. I've got five kids in school. Well, you're an idiot. Whose fault is that? Maybe if you kept that thing in your pants, you wouldn't have <laughs> Jesus. You know what I'm saying? And I, and I, this is, I talk to people like that. I don't even care. You know, and a lot of times, you know, you get the, the foreman, you know, because he's the foreman, he's your boss. He'll come by and say some shit to you like you're, you know, you're just... <laughs> You know what? You open your mouth to me, I'll slam it shut just like I do everybody else. I don't care who you are. And this case closed. You got to get up awful early. <laughs> and I mean, being an East Coast boy, being from the Boston area, oh, you can, you're good. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I mean, one day I think when all the, when, in about six years when I retire, I'll do I'll do a book about some of this stuff and you know some of the shit that goes on and you know some of the stuff you see happen and stuff. He would just go because you wouldn't you wouldn't believe it. Yeah. You wouldn't. You can't write. <laughs> you was, can't you can't make this shit up. You can't. That'd be a really cool book, actually. <laughs> yeah, because people have a whole different perception of when you know when it comes to stuff like you know the movie world, you know, and the, and the actors and actresses' lives and stuff and. And there's something more to it, you know what I mean? Because in regular life, this is the regular life things are, have, you know, it's not just not pretty all the time. So you got to imagine that things aren't always, you know, what it seems, you know? No, well, it, it, it isn't. I mean, you know, you watch, you watch, like, I, I don't know what you guys got for television down there. But up here, you know, we got KTLA in the morning and shit and on the news. And they're always, you know, like this, during this whole thing, I think, what what, what, what we say was like over 10,000 days, days now we've been in quarantine. And they, they're going, they talk to all these rich people every day. They're interviewing somebody from their house. And these people got more money than God. They're not hurting. Right. They want to get somebody that's really, wow, living this, you know what I mean? <laughs> you know, you want to know what's going on, but here's the thing. All of these people, regardless of whether you're in San Diego or you're in L.A. like me or you're back home where I'm from in Boston, these people, there's no real reportage left no more. There's nobody that's really telling you what is going on. 
you know, they're reading you everything off a teleprompter, off of a script. It's kind of like, go out and get the news anymore, huh? Like, go to the heart of where it's at. All of these people have SAG cards, which is the Screen Actors Guild. They're actors. They all hold SAG cards. I always wonder what that meant, and it's as easy as it could have been for me just to research and find out, <laughs> but I never knew, realized it until like I hear it, and then I'm like, what is that? And so I always forget about it, and you just yeah, brought it up. Those people make, they're, they're in front of a camera, they're making money. You know, like you look at the weather girl, uh, what, what, oh, Jesus, Liberty Chance, excuse me, on TV here, you can look her up, she's worth like fucking three million dollars. Wow. Sitting there telling you the weather. You know, and I mean, and she, believe me, I, I, I believe me, trust me, she, I don't think she's a meteorologist. Oh, meteorologist. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I think she's as much a meteorologist as I am, Albert Einstein. You know what I'm saying? I'm just, I'm just throwing that out there. You know, I'm sure that she might be a few fans, you know, of yours listening to this that are going, oh no. He's wrong. She's a genius. Whatever. You know what I'm saying? I'm gonna tonight. I'm gonna roll up a, a burrito and eat it, and I ain't gonna lose no sleep over. <laughs> 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 oh, it, 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 a lot of it, you know. In, in, in doing this, though, man, you see some pretty incredible people. Like one time, I was working at Sony. And this guy's driving off the Sony lot in one of the trucks. You know, he's a, he's a, he's a union driver. And he's got one of the state bed trucks loaded up with whatever, going wherever, who knows. But he's driving off the lot and he's got a donut. He's eating a donut, holding a coffee, steering that truck with his knee. You talk about talent, boy. <laughs> God damn. You know? <laughs> oh, man. In me now, it's like, you know, I'm, I'm typical American, you know, typical whatever, white American, I guess, whatever. And, you know, I would never have gone to Mexico, you know, because I listen to the media. Oh, don't go down there. The cartels, oh, they'll shoot you. Oh. <laughs> you know, we got a better chance getting shot downtown L.A. if you haven't been paying attention. <laughs> and my old lady, you know, Susie, she's from Mexico. So, you know, she when we her, we go on vacation. I used to go home all the time. I used to fly back to Boston and then I would go to Martha's Vineyard. And you know, yeah, yeah Martha's Vineyard, I was one of the poor kids. We didn't have money. We are one of the poor people that took care of the people that had money. And you know, Susie's idea is, but we'll go to Mexico. And you know, I've, I've gotten to do a, like, like, since we're talking about movies, we'll talk about Mel Gibson <laughs> in that movie he did with, about the Indians down there. What the hell was that movie? Hmm. No, wait, no. You know, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. I just can't think of the name. With the pyramids and all of that. Yeah. Oh, you know, it, it'll come to us. We're both, you know, you're forty something, I'm a hundred, so it'll come. <laughs> to us. But you know. um you go down there and you see these pyramids in your life. You, you've got to be kidding me. Seriously, you've got to be kidding me. And then you go to like, um, you know, if, if you people haven't gone to Mexico and seen this shit, you got to go. 
there's nothing that cool in this country like there is down there for sure and you go and you see this stuff that these people built man and that mayan calendar that's all hand carved if that hasn't taken years you know and here's the thing they've never found any of the tools that were used to carve any of this stuff wow you know right i mean they've actually found they've found skulls down there with you know teeth that were drilled and stuff like that i mean they had they had the dentistry that they're using on us today 3000 years ago you know they were drilling you know doing that stuff where they would drill your brain to take the pressure off a million years ago yeah. you know i mean it's incredible it really is incredible and you go down there and you see this stuff and you see these carvings and all of this stuff I'm going to want to watch the movie. I'm going to look for that. I'm going to watch it. I'm going to watch. Just watch it. You know, you're in you're in Mexico and you're thinking, you know, you look at these pyramid formations and you're going, "Well, Jesus, you know, in Egypt, about the only other place that has this kind of layout, you know. You go down to uh to Call in Guatemala and you see the, the way these these pyramids are laid out to match Orion's belt. Now you're talking about people that didn't even have a tape measure or a water level or anything and they're lining up these pyramids to line up with the stars that you can't see during the day. This is me. How are they doing it? You know, I mean to this day I'm still going. How are they doing <laughs> <All right>. it? <laughs> even though this is a presidential election There are many more candidates on the ballot besides the president. Go to Ballot Ready for a non-partisan guide to your entire ballot. From there, you can compare candidates based on stances on issues, biography, or endorsements, and then save your choices to use when you vote by mail or in the voting booth. You can even request your absentee ballot or make a plan to vote early or on election day. This election matters. Make sure you have a plan to vote and vote informed. This year, with changes to polling places and vote by mail laws as a result of COVID, it's more important than ever to have a plan to vote. Local elected officials affect our lives every day. They decide who to prosecute, monitor the quality of our drinking water, and choose the leadership of our schools. 30% of voters take the time to vote and then leave some part of their ballot blank. This is a missed opportunity to choose the leaders of our communities. It's okay if you're unfamiliar with some of the more local positions. We recommend hosting a ballot party, get together with friends over Zoom, split up the research and go through your ballots together. Go to ballotready.org. Go to ballotready.org. B A L L O T ready dot org. Enter your address to make a plan to vote and vote informed. Go to ballotready.org, please. This is very important that you vote and you vote informed. Thank you. I mean, and you go down to like, we go to Oaxaca a lot, which is way down, 
in it's like southern Mexico kind of, and you're way down there. So you know, if you you if you're thinking you're going to get a burrito and stuff, forget it, because everything down there's corn tortillas. There's no flour, soft tortillas down there. <laughs> and you know, so. <clears throat> asking my grandmother about um, the stock market crash back in the, you know, way back then, the Great Depression. And Graham at that time had been a nurse in New York City. And she said, she said people were jumping out of windows, you know, on these hundred story buildings and shit, wow. you know, blow, taking shotguns or pistols and blowing their brains out. And I'm like, are you kidding? And she's like, no. And I said, well, why, the, why would, you know, why would you do that? And she said, because these people were millionaires. They don't, they don't do menial labor. Wow. They're not going to lower themselves to what you and I do for work. You know what I'm saying? So basically what they were worth was what actually what they own, you know, their money was all, they had value basically on their life. And, and, you know, and that's all these, and that's how these people are now, you know, they, they're worth so much money. They're not going to, you know, they're nice to each other because they're both wealthy. Yeah. Until they're not anymore. And then they look at their own talks anymore, you know, right. and, and, you know, like, um, for example, I live right up the street from the Sherman Oaks Galleria, which is a mall. And you see, uh, Paul Stanley, the guitar player, singer for Kiss in there all the time. And he's another one, you know, he'll talk to like the little girls and stuff, but he he don't want to talk to nobody, right. you know, it's, it's these people, they, 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 they actually, well, I think guess, they I guess, stink, huh? yeah, if you do this long enough, I guess you start to thinking it. it's more important. Yeah, it's gotta be that, because I'm like thinking like, what makes a person just really be, you know what I mean? Especially if your life is so great, you think you just be glowing, you know? Like, hello, everyone. <laughs> yeah, but even what I do, a lot of these guys, there's there's certain, there's there's a lot of young guys, they're like half my age, that all of a sudden, they're already coordinators. You know, they've only been doing this five, six years, and they're coordinators now. And why? Because daddy was a coordinator. Hmm. So they come into work the first the first six months they're working next to me. Then on the next show they're my boss. Wow! And you you can't believe how stupid a lot of that is. You know because when something comes out blown they 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 blow the call and it's you know the boss comes up oh that's ours starts freaking out oh that's not what I wanted that's ours and he's like you know and I just look at him and I'm blown. <laughs> you know, it's blown, and and they try to they try to put it on you. Oh, it was it was it was Hambone's fault. You know, <laughs> no, it wasn't. I'm not the one getting paid to make decisions. You know, you tell me what to do, I do it. That's it. <sighs> pretty pretty stupid. <laughs> but, but that's you know, we touched on that earlier, talking about you know what's going on now and stuff, and this great huge money grab and I'm really surprised I'm really surprised that Hollywood hasn't done like a, a good movie they did that one movie there with um, oh gee the big short with um, Christopher Bale hmm. or Bates or whatever the hell his name is that English guy 
where he was one of the bankers and he saw, you know, how they were mixing in the bad mortgages with the good mortgages. Yeah, I think that's what you're talking about. What's yeah, the name of went, that? Okay. That's the big short. Oh, it's the big short? Okay, because i got to watch that. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to watch so many movies. <laughs> you got to watch that. That'll blow your mind. It's, it's going to piss me off, isn't it? <laughs> I just get pissed off. Oh, my God. You know, and what did he do with all of this? And he sold, right? He made he made a gazillion dollars. What does he do? He invested in water. That's going to be the next big thing is water. You, it's like they're taking away your rights to even being able to get a drink of water. Yeah, yeah. That's crazy. You know, I mean, and that's your, that's a, that should be a, a, a God-given right. Yeah, that's like, here, you need water. You know, this is it. <laughs> what are you, I'm going to do that. I'm going to die. Hello. <laughs> Because they throw each other under the bus, so there's no loyalty amongst anyone at, no, you know, at that and point. Then they hire <laughs> lawyers to put on the Supreme Court to do whatever they say. Mm-hmm. You know, so to me, all of these people need to go away. Like I told you earlier, you want to fix the deficit, you get rid of these old, good old boys, and you put in a couple of single house mo- housewives, house moms, you know, divorced moms with three kids, whatever. They'll say they'll fix the. Uh, the deficit, to be sure. Yeah. You know, I mean, it, it, without taking money from, I mean, really, it's, it's, we spend billions, we spend more money than anybody else on the planet in, in arms. On bullshit, too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm going to turn around and tell people we don't have money. We're, uh, you know what I mean? And I look around, or they cut money from education and all this stuff, and I'm like, you're kidding me, right? I'm looking around. I see yeah, what you're doing. There's a fairly money. Education, <laughs> education, like like my grandson. I was talking to him. He's nine years old. You know, fourth, fifth grade, whatever it is. And I said to him, you know, what about history? Oh, we they don't teach us history. I'm like, what? Yeah, they're taking so much out of out of school. They don't they don't teach anymore. Wait, what? Scratches my head. No, I mean, and that, that's history is one of my best. I love that. You know, I mean, oh, you've got, you've got to, if you like to talk politics, you want to, you want to, you want to really fuck up a, a Republican? No history. Yeah, I've done notice that, because I don't really fucking know much about, about shit. Yeah, they don't. <laughs> Donald Trump, hell, doesn't know anything. He'd just be like, he's just, you know what I mean, just riding it. He's just, you know, he's, when he speaks, I'm like, you didn't do your homework before you fucking ran for a country that you want to be president of. Yeah, and now you got this guy doing the same thing. 
and everyone forgets what happened when so Bush you, and Cheney was in there, and that. Reagan and Bush before that. Yep, that's like a bad watching a bad movie. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's like why do you know? And then oh, you know, listen, they're never gonna let you into their little group of rich people. It's never gonna happen. <laughs> Thank you, everyone, for tuning in with me once again, Brandy J. Singleton, a voice to be reckoned with. It's a pleasure, and I couldn't do it without you. And to David Hamblin, you're a pretty awesome guy, and uh, come back around, will ya? And thank you. Thank you very much. I had such a great time talking with you. Guys, keep coming back and tuning in with me. Like I said before, I promise I won't waste your time. And I'll always have a message to give, no matter if it's fun, funny, sad, angered. But let me tell you, if I hit any and all emotions, then I've done my job. Thank you so much again from A Voice to Be Reckoned With with Brandy J. Peace. Are you registered to vote? Headcount is a nonpartisan organization that works with the music and entertainment industry to get fans to vote. To update or check your voter registration status, go to headcount.org where you'll find all the information you need to be ready for election day. Are you registered to vote at your current address? More than 60% of eligible voters have never been asked to register. Headcount.org is working to change that. At Headcount.org, you can also check your registration status. Millions of people get purged from the voter rolls every year. Everyone should check their registration status every year. The deadline to register to vote in some states is as early as October 4th. So you want to check before then. You can also request an absentee ballot. Get info on early voting. Find your polling place or see what's on your ballot. Headcount is a nonpartisan nonprofit that tours with musicians to help con- concert attendees register to vote. But you don't need to leave your house to register or get voting info. Just visit headcount.org. Register to vote at headcount.org. Register to vote at headcount.org. H-E-A-D-C-O-U-N-T dot org. Because this matters. <laughs>